Hello there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 531 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. It is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. I know it's been a, a little bit since we've been able to get on here, but we are back. We have a lot of information that we need to catch you up on. Before we do that, I'm Donald Wine. I'm the host of this episode. Sam Klein cannot be with us on this particular episode, but we have Jason Evans here. Jason, welcome back. Last time we spoke, you were getting over COVID or at least battling COVID. How are yep. you feeling? I'm I'm doing better. I'm doing a lot better. Thank you very much. Uh, it, it was it was a it was a tough few days. I, I know everyone says, "Yo, COVID's just a cold." At this point, well, I had a bad cold for about four days, but but I'm feeling a lot better now. It's still a little tiny bit of sniffles, um, but yeah, glad to glad to have that in the past. And uh, I'll feel reasonably immune for a little while now, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's out there. It's getting back up there. Um, yeah. Get your boosters, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, those are get, well, they're, kind of, they're about the new to, ones are coming out soon. Yeah, I was going to say, they got a new boost. I mean, the problem is the boosters I've had in the past don't do anything to this new strain. So uh, they'll they'll have a new booster that'll supposedly work on this one, uh, I think, in just a few weeks or so. And I will be in line very soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to grab mine too. So uh, before we get into the news, there's a lot of news that has happened that we need to talk about that involves us. There's some, obviously, football coming up this weekend. And some news that we were waiting on that never materialized. But before we do all that, I think it's important that we uh, kind of mention, and, and if I, for those of you out there who obviously listen to this show, uh, you know this is a Duke podcast, but we are going to talk about UNC for uh, a minute because uh, unfortunately we have to talk about some uh, something terrible that happened there on Monday. They had a lockdown due to an armed shooter. Uh, I believe it was a graduate student who uh, – killed a faculty member at the university of North Carolina. And it was his, I, it was no, his faculty. It was his faculty advisor that he ended up advisor. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately we are no strangers to this sort of uh, event happening uh, on, especially on a college campus. And unfortunately UNC was uh, the, the school that had to deal with this uh, on Monday. And it's, a, it's, it's super unfortunate. We, uh, obviously here pass along our condolences to the family member uh the family members of, of the faculty member who was killed uh but jason i just want to give you time to you know say whatever you want because it, it, i know we're duke podcast and yeah we talk about unc a lot there are rivals but in this sort of situation uh, there are brothers and sisters in arms they're the ones that uh you know we look out for in times like this and unfortunately we have to lift up their community uh, because once again, we have to deal with gun violence in this country. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to get into the politics of this, Donald. It's not our place mm -hmm. to discuss that kind of stuff, but it is sad and tragic that America has an epidemic of gun violence and, and that it so often manifests itself uh, at schools, at universities. We just hear about this again and again and again. And I wanted to shout out or acknowledge the Daily Tar Heel, the student-run newspaper that this morning had one of the most powerful, sobering, emotional newspaper front pages that I've ever seen in my life. I'm someone who works in the field of journalism. I've seen a lot of ways that people cover journalistic events. And the Daily Tar Heel today, if you haven't seen it, go out and Google it uh, and have a look at it. It's it's an amazing newspaper cover where they they took a bunch of text messages that students sent to each other, that students sent to parents and friends and family, and that friends and family sent back to those students during those tense 
terrifying hours that the lockdown was happening at UNC where no one knew if the door would fly open and someone would start shooting them. And the text messages, first of all, that's how that's how that generation communicates. So it's, it feels honest. It feels raw. And they are, they're a peek into terror. Uh, it's, it's sad and tragic thing that someone lost a life. It's a sad and tragic thing that America hasn't figured out how to deal with this better. And these students at UNC that run the Daily Tar Heel really came up with a incredible way of of letting all of us have a peek into the terror that they they had to live through this week. Raw was exactly how I described that headline that they did, or at least the front page. The rawness, as you mentioned, the chaos, the confusion. Um, you know, everyone trying to send information. Some of it being very, you know, you know, wildly misconstrued or incorrect, which only leads to more confusion, more chaos, more terror. You know, and, and it, it was a, it was a, unfortunately, it had to be done. And it's a great, it was a great insight. But I hate that they had to do it the hard way. I guess, yeah, having to experience this sort of tragedy in order to have something like this to show, hey, this is, this can happen anywhere can happen to you next and so uh yeah we just want to quickly you know send our thoughts and 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 wishes well wishes to everyone down at unc again we're rivals on the court on the field but not when it comes to life this is these are our brothers and sisters this is our neighbors our community uh and and we really uh are rallying behind them uh as they try to come to terms with what happened yeah you know we're rivals but we share the same restaurants the same bars the same grocery stores the same gas stations uh we are two schools that are very very close together that are intertwined i know plenty of people who took classes at unc i know plenty of unc students who took classes at duke and anything that happens there at least rubs off a little bit on the duke community so yeah our 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 thoughts are very much with them yeah and you know you there's no way to segue uh, from this into a more positive thing, but there is more positive news <laughs> uh, that we have here uh, at the Duke basketball roundup. And that is we have a new home. You've been wondering why we've been kind of, uh, you know, not doing as many podcasts over the last couple of weeks is because we have been, as you guys know, uh, a few months ago, we went to Podbean uh, after the, the aftermath, as you will, of uh, SB Nation cutting their podcast network area. And we decided to go with Podbean and, and we're working with them to kind of build up their program uh, from a standpoint of resources, you know, getting ads and making it where this feed was accessible to as many people as possible. Unfortunately, it just wasn't working uh, for us. And we, we we gave it a go. And and there's really, I mean, for me, there's no hard feelings with Podbean. It just didn't work. But yeah. we have now decided to make the move over to what is a new network that actually started from the ashes of the many SB Nation podcasts that were uh, cut by Vox Media, and that is Fan First Sports Network. And that is where we are at right now. We just made the move. When I say just, I mean 15 minutes before we started <laughs> like 20 talking. 20 minutes ago, right? Exactly. <laughs> 20 minutes ago. So uh, this is a very brand new thing. You're gonna you're not going to see anything uh, change with your feeds. Everything is going to be the same. It's just for us on the back end, how we upload it and give it to you, the people. Um, you're going to, the great thing is, is because we had this network, we now have access to some other blogs. And, and I know in the past we've done some crossover podcasts or at least had 
uh, people from other podcasts representing different schools on this show to kind of talk about some of the previews when we play their particular school. We'll be able to do that. We have, you know, so many uh, of our ACC, you know, schools, uh, fellow rivals uh, in uh, this network, which is terrific. So we have a nice foundation from there. But Jason, we, we finally have a new home. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 not upset, like you said, at Podbean, but they it really wasn't it wasn't working out the way we had expected, and uh, we were a little nervous about Fans First Sports Network because they were brand new, but now they've had a few months. We've been able to look at their track record, and they're doing some really exciting things, some very interesting things. We think that we're going to be able to provide our audience, all of you out there with even better content as a result of this partnership that we've made with them. And really, I mean, like Donald said, all of you don't need to pay much attention to this. We've already spoken about it more than we needed to. In fact, the only real reason we wanted to mention it was because it is part of the reason that we haven't been doing podcasts for the past couple of weeks as we've been trying to get all this worked out and and make the move. It's it's not as simple as you might think. Um, but but yeah, we're, we're very pleased to be part of the Fans First Sports Network and uh, we're going to have a whole website and all kinds of other stuff going on very, very soon. And we'll let you know about it as it happens. Should It should provide new ways for all of you to interact with us as well. And so that's that's exciting also. Yes. And also, I want you guys out there to hold us accountable on this. We're going to get a new logo for our podcast. Yeah. We've, yeah. This is something that we've actually needed to do. We just haven't done it yet. Uh, so we will get that done very, very soon. Okay, Jason, we've got. Let's get to some stuff. news. Let's get some do we, stuff. Huh? Yeah, we've gotten our news out of the way. Uh, let's get to uh, a couple of things that are coming up at least over the next couple of days and things that we've talked about or we've seen over the last couple of days. Let's first start on the gridiron football season is upon us. We already had week zero, but week one begins this weekend. And one of the highlights of the weekend is our Duke blue devils taking on the Clemson tigers, the number nine ranked Clemson tigers. They will be hosting them at Wallace Wade stadium, labor day night, 8 PM Eastern time kickoff on East ESPN, a huge, huge game, Jason. First of all, before we get into, you know, what your thoughts are on, on this upcoming game, let me just give you some, a couple of stats about our team. Cause I know a lot of people focus in on, uh, on Duke basketball on this show because it is easy to, and that's what the name of our podcast is, but the football team, as you know, they're nine and four last year. They went to a bowl game. They went to the military bowl where they absolutely destroyed Central Florida. And this year they return 42 seniors and 16 or 15 juniors from that team. And that's, again, we've talked about the continuity on the basketball side and how rare that has been over the last decade. It's even rare to have, you know, more than one third of your team be seniors. In fact, almost half of our team is seniors. That's a lot of upper class experience returning on all sides of the football. And when you talk about Duke, you know, of course, Clemson, when we look at Clemson, they're one of the main contenders for a national championship. Alongside the Alabamas, the Michigans, the Ohio States, uh, Georgia's on another tier, but everyone else that is contending for a national championship, Clemson is mentioned right alongside them. When it comes to Duke, most people are saying, hey, because of Duke's schedule, and really, again, opening up with the number nine team in the country, they may not have as great a year as they did last year, but Mike Elko and the coaching staff and the players have all been grinding during training camp. And the the talk out of training camp has been, nah, we're not ready to settle for being, you know, mediocre again or being, you know, worse than we were last year. We're trying to build 
you know, a program here, a winning program. And if we have to build off of nine wins, that means next year we got to get nine or 10, then that's what we're trying to do. Like, so that's the, you know, the positive, you know, optimism that we have coming out of this camp. Jason, when you look at this game, what are some of the things that stand out to you about what we can expect when both teams hit the field on Monday night? So I'll start by echoing something you said about how experienced this Duke team is. I was looking at Duke released the the two deep um, depth chart uh, just a couple of days ago. As I was looking across it, I was just struck by how many guys have either the word junior or senior or graduate next to their names. That This is a unbelievably experienced Duke team. It is a team that is old. There is no way to say it other than that. And that's a really good thing in football. Uh, look, in, in, in basketball, quite often guys who get to be juniors and seniors, not to knock them, but a pretty fair percentage of them are guys who don't really have the talent to make the NBA. Uh, that is not the way it works in college football. Guys who are older tend to be better and tend to be really, really skilled. And this Duke team, uh, you just see it like across the board. Like uh, uh, there are one or two guys who who are sophomores who might, on especially on defense in our defensive backfield, there are a couple sophomores who might start. It's not 100% clear is going to be the start. But other than that, like this is nothing but juniors, grad students, maybe maybe redshirt sophomores or redshirt juniors. Um, and seniors. And and it's it's a team that is primed to compete, I think, with anybody in the country. And and they're going to have to show that right out of the gate because this Clemson club is very good. As you said, they're a top 10 team. I was doing a little bit of research on them and, and one of the Clemson websites pointed out Clemson was just two points. They were just two points from playing in the college football playoff again last year for the seventh time in eight years. Clemson lost a game late in the season to South Carolina. 31 to 30. It was a game they absolutely had chances to win. In fact, with about two and a half minutes left, they were getting the ball back like at their own 40, which is. And I believe they were in a position that if they had won that game, they I think they were like fourth or maybe fifth and they would have, yeah. they would have, you know, basically stayed in the, in the hunt, but that win dropped them down enough where when a bunch of teams lost, they didn't, weren't able to creep back into the top four. They had just won that game. They would have stayed where they were and there would have been no question. They would have been in the playoff and maybe even third or, or, or second. Yeah, most people seem to think they probably would have ended up uh, in the number three spot. But like I say, they they absolutely could have won that South Carolina game and would have gone to the college football playoff for the seventh time in eight years. I want you to think about that, how hard it is to reach the college football playoff. And they were, you know, on the cusp of doing it for the seventh time in eight years. This is a team that has changed, this Clemson club. Um, they're they're going to have a new quarterback, Cade Klubnick, who, who was an absolute stud recruit. Guy was like the number two quarterback recruit in the entire country. And he took over at quarterback late in the year um, played for the ACC title game. He played against UNC and absolutely dominated them. And then he, you know, he didn't have a great game in the Orange Bowl against Tennessee. It was okay, but through a couple interceptions, he is he is absolutely the new quarterback and, uh, it, you know, will be the focus of what their attack is to some extent. Their receiving core at Clemson is you know, it's not seen as a huge strength, not that the receivers are bad, but they're not super dangerous. The most dangerous guy for Clemson in offense is Will Shipley, who, if you're a fan of ACC football, you know that name. Dude had like 1,400 plus yards rushing and receiving last year, like more than 1,100 yards rushing. He scored 15 touchdowns. Um, he is an absolute force in the backfield and the Duke defense is going to have to find a way to get Will Shipley on the ground. If he's grinding out five, six, seven, eight yards per carry, Duke is going to be in big, big trouble. On defense, last year Clemson had like a devastating pass rush. 
easily among the best in the nation. They're expected to be like that again. Riley Leonard, who is highly touted, and people are expecting big, big things from Duke quarterback Riley Leonard this year. He gets a real test with that Clemson front line, especially their their tackles, um, uh, to start the season. Um, he he does have some nice weapons for him. I was I was looking, and like you know, I, I guess it's it's partially that we we know this team so well. But I was like, it's nothing but familiar names and guys that I know can play. You know, like we've got a running back by committee coming up. Jalen Coleman, Jaquez Moore, Jordan Waters, they're all back for another year. The wide receivers, Jalen Calhoun, Samir Hagens, Jordan Moore, they're all back for another year. They're just a lot of weapons for Riley Leonard. And then the one other guy I wanted to mention, Graham Barton at left tackle is a guy for Duke who will be playing on Sundays when his career is done. Uh, at the end of this year, he will probably declare for the NFL draft. There are people out there who project him as a first-round NFL draft pick. So Duke's got a guy in Riley Leonard who the NFL is paying attention to. They've they've got a guy in Graham Barton on the offensive line that the NFL is paying a lot of attention to. And then and on defense, like Dwayne Carter is very much on the NFL uh, radar uh, on, on the defensive line. Th- this is a Duke team that is talented and experienced enough that they should be able to compete with Clemson. I think I saw that Duke was about a 10-point underdog. I, I need to check it again to see the exact number. Somewhere around 10. I, I'm, I'm not pro- I'm not going to project for a second that Duke's going to win Clemson. But man, 10 points? I would I would take those points. I think I think Duke's going to stay with them. And the last thing, Donald, I want to mention, the game's at Duke. Uh, Duke. When was the last time Duke had this big a game, this much national attention on a game, in our stadium. I I, I can't, I'm not going to speculate. I'm not going to guess. I can't think of the last time Duke had this big a game at home at Wally Wade. It is a big, big moment for our program. And I'm just super excited to see them go out there and take a shot because, you know, by the way, if they, if they lose, if they lose, you know, even they get beat fairly badly, that's what everyone expects to happen, but they've got a shot to really make the entire college football world to Duke football. Jason, I always say this when it comes to, like, you know, I don't want to call this a David versus Goliath situation, but it is, it is in a way, right? Like a huge program such as Clemson is coming to Duke to face the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, and most people have already written off this game, right? But the best thing that Duke has on their side is time. They have had eight months to prepare for this one game. I know they have a whole season, but most coaches, yeah, okay, you'll sit in there and say, yeah, we have this team coming in a couple of weeks. We got to think about logistics for this team. But when it comes to the first game of the season, everyone has been focusing for the first game of the season. They want to make that first impression. And the great thing for this Duke football team is that they have had nothing but months to figure out how to defeat Clemson, to do any, to do the thing that most people think they won't do. And I actually like that. I like that opportunity that these guys are given. And it looks like, you know, again, you know, we talk about the, the social media aspect of things and them really building it up on the football side over the last few years. They've shown how how hard they're working at practice, what they're working on. A lot of these guys that you mentioned, Jason, are on a lot of the lists, like the end of season watch lists for the different uh, uh, college awards. And they don't just put pe- everyone on there, right? Duke is getting poll. I mean, they're not in the top 25, but they got votes in both polls. Like people are looking at Duke and saying, hey, yeah, they might be playing Clemson, but this is not this is not a team that you need to sleep on. Because they can they can take you out if you are not careful. And dude, we're the start of Monday night football. This yeah. game is being played on Labor Day Monday night at 8 p.m. on ESPN. This is Monday night football. 
And it is just, I mean, the entire, like I said, the entire college football world is going to be looking at Wally Wade Stadium. I don't, that hasn't happened in my lifetime. I'm 56 years old. I don't think that's happened in my lifetime yet. <laughs> Everyone, if you do not have tickets, I'm sure tickets are close to sold out, if not already sold out. If you do not have tickets to this game, get a ticket to this game. Go out there, support the Duke Blue Devils. If you can't make it to Durham, support in spirit. Wear your Duke Blue all weekend long if you need to. Wear it on Monday especially because that is when we're going to need it. Tell everybody you know the upset's coming. Uh, and, and if it doesn't, then say, hey, we were just joking. It just happens. But I do think this team really does. I mean, they have a better chance than most people are giving them uh, to beat the Clemson Tigers and really start off. And even if, again, like you said, Jason, if they play well and fall short, they're still going to get a lot of eyeballs with people saying, hmm, this Duke team may not be the eighth place team in this conference that we thought they were when we kind of ranked them to start the season. So good luck to the Duke Blue Devils in football on the gridiron again, Monday night, ESPN, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you're either at the stadium or at your television set ready for that one. Jason, let's take a quick break on the other side. We have some stuff to talk about with regards to another podcast, a friend of the podcast who has his own podcast. He talked to the freshman of Duke basketball. We're going to talk about that interview. Also, we're going to talk about some guys who are getting their flowers right after this. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight... There's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit betterhelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. All right, we are back, and we mentioned before the break that uh, just you know just recently, it's, it seems recently because it was just a couple of episodes ago, but it was probably three or four weeks ago. We had Ryan Young on this particular podcast to talk about you know just you know him being a sixth year senior uh, playing you know playing for the Duke Blue Devils, but also we talked about the Brotherhood podcast, and uh, as we mentioned on this show, we'll say it again: if you're not listening to that podcast after you listen to this one, you should be because it's a great insight from the players about the program. And I think that's something that we have been asking for as fans for a very long time. And Ryan Young has stepped up uh, in a big way and given it to us. And this week, 
he had all of the freshmen from Duke on this particular podcast. And Jason, I'm going to hand it to you because I listened to it. I know you listened to it. It was a it was an awesome interview, but also again, it gives you that insight and it makes it where we get to at least for the 40 minutes or so that that episode was. We got to really learn about the personalities of all four of these freshmen and how as a team all of them are coming together. Yeah, I I didn't get a lot uh, about basketball and their skills. That wasn't the point of this. The the only real thing I got that you know that you'll probably see on the court was they talked about Ryan Ryan Young talked about he's never seen freshmen, and this is a guy again his, his sixth year in college basketball he has never seen freshmen who work as hard as these guys do. Um, all four of our freshmen have gotten to into a habit. They get up at like 5 a.m. They get into the gym by 6 a.m. every morning, every day to do lifting sessions and other workouts. It's just a daily routine for them. They they all gushed about how much they love being around other people who are as dedicated and on basketball and winning as they are, that, and it's motivated them to work harder and harder. That's the stuff that is going to show up on the court and, you know, if you're not excited by hearing about four five-star freshmen, all of whom are ranked like in the top 20, top 25 in their class, who are feeding off each other and, you know, get, getting up every morning while it's still dark out so that they can lift weights and work on their skills and the such, then, man, I don't know, you know, I don't know who you are because it is super exciting. But like I said, that was a tiny part of this podcast, to me, the biggest part, the stuff I loved the most was hearing them just talk about their personalities and how they're getting along. And just, uh, they're, by the way, they're constantly busting on each other. It was hysterical to listen to. They all, they started out, every single one of them was picking on Jared McCain because they said that everywhere they go, everyone wants to take pictures with Jared McCain. And, and that the rest of the guys, like, like TJ Power said at one point that, that people come up to them and, and they want a picture and TJ Power steps to the side so that people can get a picture of Jared McCain. They're like, you too and he's like oh really why would you want me why don't you like jared mccain's like the celebrity and the rest of them uh you know don't even know what to do and, and caleb caleb foster i love this it's hysterical whenever caleb foster and jared mccain are out and people want selfies or sorry they want pictures with jared mccain caleb foster takes the picture and he shoots little selfies of himself at the same time as he's taking hey, the picture this the selfie tax i i have <laughs> i've endorsed for for several years it is great to take self tax but then you kind of look back, you go, oh, this picture was great. And then the next picture is the picture taker. And you just kind of, and, you know, I mean, in this case, it's Caleb Foster. But some teams like, yo, who's this random person? Oh, that's the guy who took the picture. It's it's hysterical. Uh, I, I mean, so, so many of the conversations they had were so great. One of the ones I really enjoyed, they had a debate over who had the best high school career. And at first, everyone was like, I think it was Jared McCain. Jared, you know, Jared was two-time California Player of the Year. I mean, by the way, think about that. <laughs> that is super people. impressive. <laughs> California is a big state. He was player of the year as a junior and a senior. And everyone's like, yeah, I think Jared had the best career. And then TJ, TJ Power goes, uh, uh, do you guys know I, I, I pitch baseball as well? I was like player of the year <laughs> in baseball and basketball. And they're like, oh, shoot. And then, and then it devolves into a conversation as to whether any of them could hit a fastball or a pitch thrown by TJ Power. Um, I, I'm going to inform all of them. Like Sean no. Stewart seemed to think he was like, I think I could hit one off you. No, no. If you are not a really good baseball player, you are not hitting a pitch thrown by TJ. TJ Powers throwing, he said he throws 88 to 90 miles an hour and he has a wicked slider. 
uh-uh. You're going to stay in that box. He's going to rip. He's going to unload an eight, a lefty, unload an 88-mile-per-hour fastball that looks like it's coming inside, and you are going to hit the dirt and run back to the dugout and pray to God you don't have to take a second swing against him. <laughs> I, I just thought the whole thing was hysterical. It was just great. And the last thing is, uh, these guys treat their Uno seriously. Apparently, Uno. I did not know that. Uh, like, I played Uno when I was like seven. But apparently, that is the big game <laughs> that these guys all all like to play. Uno and Hacky Sack. Those are the two things that that and Hacky Sack. Now that that I remember from my college days. But uh, they they seem like they're four guys who get along incredibly well, who are feeding off of each other, who love being around each other. Jared McCain at one point said that. You know, they recently went back home for a little bit and he was like, what am I doing here? I want to go back to Duke. I want to be back with my brothers. And and it's really, it was great. It was just a ton of fun. I I, I like the fact that uh, in addition to everything you said, I like the fact that they called Ryan, Uncle Ryan. Um, like he's the, I mean, he's, he's that old that they, they're like, yeah, that's my, you know, it's not my big brother right there. That's my uncle right there, uh, which I think is kind of funny. But also the the way that they're able to relate to him I think speaks volumes about how well this team has come together, right? Like the fact that these kids are six years apart, uh, five, six years apart in some cases, uh, but are still able to relate to each other. Again, a guy who has been through several graduations, uh, not just one, and these kids are on campus for the first time that, you know, being able to to bring those, you know, those players together and make it where they can come on a podcast. And really it was, you know, they were kind of just BS talking, right? Like they were just, you know, talking talking spit that's 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 how you know it was fun for them uh and it makes it where it's a great listen i also jason appreciate the fact that they know quite a bit about some duke history right like they had some of those like oh yeah the trivia contest those were tough questions by the way those are not easy questions questions. in there yeah uh i I don't remember all the they were going through like a lot of the freshman awards and who had won stuff previously or who had done triple doubles previously things like that and and these guys were quick to nailing most of them. They, I mean, some of them, like the old, the you know the ones from well beyond even you know my time and Jason's time, like you know back in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, sure, they may have been stumbling over some of those, but you know the more recent nineties, two thousands, twenty tens history, they were they were nailing a lot of those questions, which I yeah, thought was pretty yeah. Cool. Well, they, they also at one point uh, they asked who is the leading freshman scorer, and Caleb Foster said Luke Kennard. I was like, no, Caleb, no. Luke was bad as a freshman. No, no, no. The answer is Zion Williamson. The answer is I'm sorry. I mean, the answer is R.J. Barrett. It's R.J. Barrett. But I was yeah. like, no, that's that. That is not a good. Luke Kennard is not a good answer. <laughs> but hey, he remembers Luke Kennard and remembers how great yeah. he was as a player. Maybe he took his sophomore season and as we kind of do, we just said, you know what? That's just we're just going to take that freshman year and just kind of blend that into sophomore year. He had a right. great freshman and sophomore year, right? So, yeah. but I do, I do appreciate the fact that again they're taking the time to know the history of Duke basketball and kind of, you know, again, the brotherhood has prepared them for, uh, you know, the steps that they're about to take together by understanding their past and and the history of the program and how that affects what they do moving forward. And I think that's great, but I, I really appreciated this particular interview because of how, again, how genuine it was. and, And it's clear that these guys, like when they, when Ryan Young talked about how well, this freshman group was getting along, not just with each other, but with the rest of the team and how the rest of the team was gelling. That was pretty evident on the show. Yeah. And the last thing I want to mention is the camaraderie. And at one point, Ryan asked them about committing to Duke and, and their, their experience being recruited by John Shire. They, they proceeded to then crack a couple of jokes about John Shire being a pretty good recruiter, but, but it came out that Caleb Foster, who was the first of these guys to commit, 
that Caleb Foster immediately after committing to Duke started working on bringing these guys in. And the first guy he started working on bringing in was Jared McCain. And there are a lot of people out there who probably correctly think that Caleb Foster and Jared McCain are going to be battling for minutes. There, there are not a lot of minutes of Duke backcourt. And those two guys are going to be going at each other to try and get those scraps that they can. And these are both guys who have designs on the NBA and the NBA is very interested in seeing what they can do. And, and yet, and they've known this by the way, for a long time that, that they were going to be competing against each other. And yet we heard that the very first thing that Caleb Foster did when he committed to Duke was he went out and tried to get a guy who would compete with him, a guy he would have to battle for minutes in Jared McCain. And you just love hearing that kind of attitude. It's all about winning. At one point, Caleb Foster said, we know what this team is going to do. We're going to Phoenix. And, and, and they, they, seem, they seem really focused. They seem driven. And it, it's exciting. All, all four of them also mentioned, Jason, that they had, you know, the fact that all these guys were coming back, they, were, they embraced that, right? All these upper, you know, yeah. the freshmen from last year, all of them coming back, Jeremy Roach coming back, you know, them maybe actively going out and pursuing other players, these guys, you know, again, like some players could rightfully be like, you know what, that you guys are recruiting people to kind of replace me. I can take this somewhere else, but they didn't, they embraced that and said, Hey, more competition. Awesome. And they also kind of said, Hey, knowing the guys that played last year and how well they played and really that there were a couple injuries away from really doing something great to have most of them come back. And then they kind of compliment that it sounded like that was something that they all were looking for. They weren't necessarily looking for a place that they were going to be thrown to the wolves and get 35 minutes a game. And all of a sudden they leave after a year, not really having learned anything. This was a place they said they wanted to come and learn from the greats to learn from the people before them. And I think that's what, what excites me the most about this team is that all these guys are back. We have a freshman class who gets it. Everyone on the team has said they just like are locked in. So when we talk about Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona for the final four, it's a realistic expectation. It's, and I'm glad that they embrace that. Maybe that means this, this year is going to be special. We obviously have a long time to figure that out, but yo, I'm really, this, this was a great interview. Uh, I'm glad they did. And again, thank you to the brotherhood podcast for being here because again, we love this insight into the program from the mouths of the players who live it so that yeah, was really yeah cool. and like like donald said everybody go out there and you know check out you should re- watch it on youtube uh as much as it's a podcast don't listen to it because it's hard sometimes to figure out which guys talk and win um watch this one on youtube and 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 it's fun also to watch them that these guys are having a good time yeah absolutely so jason before we close out i mentioned we get we got to give some people their flowers and those people are johnny dawkins and coach k they it was announced recently that they have been inducted into the college basketball hall of fame. Johnny Dawkins inducted as a, as a part of the class of 2023 as a player. He was one of the great players, not just in Duke basketball history, but in college basketball history. And finally, he rightfully gets his place among the greats in the college basketball hall of fame. Now, for Coach K, you're probably thinking, yo, guys, Coach K is already part of basketball hall of fame. And technically, you are right. And wrong. Coach K was a part of the founding class of 2006, but because he was still coaching, the very first class, the very first, the very class. first class 
of the College Basketball Hall of Fame, and rightfully so, because to that point, he was a Hall of Fame coach. But the only problem that he had was that he was still coaching. And because of that, he couldn't be fully inducted until after he retired. Now, he is fully retired, and he will now fully be inducted, and, and they'll, I guess, finish his induction and will join also as a part of the class of 2023 alongside Johnny Dawkins. So Coach K becomes the first player to be a part of the class of of two different classes of the College Basketball Hall of Fame as a coach. It's not like he was a player for one and a coach for the other. He is a coach for both. He also is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. He's in the Olympic Hall of Fame. He's in the Life Hall of Fame. But Johnny Dawkins also, again, Jason, this was the class that you kind of started started in school with. Uh, and they were, you know, Inter- exactly. I guess they were they were upperclassmen when you were a freshman. But touch on this, Johnny Dawkins, college basketball Hall of Famer. That sounds great to me. What about to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well-deserved. In fact, when I saw it announced, I was a little bit like, wait, Johnny wasn't in yet? I mean, dude was national player of the year. And uh, he was the he he was the all time leading scorer at Duke until JJ Reddick came along. Johnny Dawkins put up more than twenty five hundred points in Duke uniform, which is just a sick number. And most importantly, most significantly, I'm going to tell you right now, Mike Shashevsky would not be in the basketball, the college basketball, the Olympic basketball, the everything Hall of Fame if it were not for Johnny Dawkins. Johnny Dawkins was the linchpin of that huge recruiting class that he brought in that included Mark Allery and David Henderson and Jay Billis. Johnny Dawkins was the leader of that team that took them to a final four to a national championship game, my freshman year, their senior year. Um, I, Coach K has said it many times, that class and specifically Johnny Dawkins was the guy who started that class. He was the first recruit in that class. That is the reason that his career took off the way it did. They even have a documentary called the class that saved coach k like it's exactly it's exactly. literally him talking to that those you know those guys from that team uh in 1980 or the class of 1986 yeah so i i love that the two of them are going in hand in hand uh it, it, it's quite fitting by the way it makes perfect sense to me i was thinking about it, i was like wait why didn't you know they inducted coach k in in the founding class in 2006 why'd they wait now i mean it makes perfect sense if you think about it the plaque the you know Literally, the thing that talks about your achievements in the such, which is part of being in the Hall of Fame. If you'd done it for COVID, would you update it every year? You would have had to update it in 2010 when he won another national title. You've had to update it again in 2015, another national title. Have to update it for a thousandth all-time career win and all the all the other stat, you know, eleven hundred, all the different wins, all the different things like that. Final four in his very fat final season. So yeah, you have to wait until the dude's retired to actually hang the plaque. So he gets to go in alongside Johnny Dawkins. I think it's going to be a great ceremony, a ton of fun for, for Duke people and Duke fans. And by the way, Donald, did you notice who else is in the class of 2023? Yeah, I was just going to mention uh, <laughs> our Tyler Hansbro. Yes. UNC will also be in the class of 2023. Also, longtime Jefferson coach Herb McGee and the late talent scout Tom Konchalski will also be a part of this class. But yeah, it's of course, it's fitting. You know, we're always got a one-up you know, one up UNC whenever we go and Tyler Hansborough came in, giant dogs came in. So now we have to honor coach K at the same time. So, uh, but no, I, I think, I mean, objectively we hate, we, we really hated Tyler Hansborough on the court, but him being in the college basketball hall of fame does make a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to hear the speeches. Uh, we will, we will have to see if there's anything we can excerpt or talk about because my bet is there will be cracks 
from Johnny Dawkins and, and Coach K toward Tyler Hansborough, and Tyler Hansborough will crack back. It'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see Tyler Hansborough walk, walk up on that stage. <laughs> <laughs> he will take far too many steps as he goes to uh, to give his speech. I'm sure of that because that's what Tyler Hansborough does best. But uh, anyway, you know, I, I cut up on him. He's a great, great all-time player at UNC. And uh, I, I love that he he has to go in on a night when, when I think the focus will probably more be on the two Blue Devils, especially Coach K. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that ceremony actually is taking place tonight in Chicago. So yeah, you're not you're not dissing Coach K on his home turf uh, after he's part of the he's finally oh, no. getting honored. That's not going <laughs> to happen. So uh, Tyler is going to have to sit there and probably take a few shots uh, like he like he did in college for uh, from some Duke people. But uh, I digress. Uh, congratulations to the class of 2023, and also again to the class of 2006 because Coach K is a part of both now because. Hey, when you're the GOAT, you can be a part of whatever class in the College Basketball Hall of Fame that you want. So uh, with that, that will do it for Episode 531 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Thank you so much for joining us again. We will be back very, very soon, probably after the weekend. Enjoy your Labor Day again, Monday night. Get out to Wallace Wade or get to your television set and watch the Duke Blue Devils open up the football season against the Clemson Tigers. Before you do, hey, we got a lot of stuff that you can get on home field. Use your home field apparel. Use your code DBR podcast. Save 15%. A lot of you have been gearing up for the season. We can tell. Uh, Fanatics also some new Duke football shirts out, the Nike ones. So if you need links for all this, linktree.com slash DBR podcast. You can click there and go to either home field apparel or Fanatics. Save yourself a ton of money while also helping to support this show. Again, for Sam, who is not here with us, for Jason Evans, I am Don LeBlanc. This is the Duke Basketball Roundup, and now it is time for the Duke band to play us out and take us out.